amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. Still nursing some sore heads after Saturday, but getting back onto the podcasting horse for another week as well. The worst thing about this stage in any major international sporting event is that the games aren't particularly thick and fast at the moment. And so today... We've not got any matches to preview, nothing to look forward to, nothing to look back at instead because the first of the two semi-finals in the European Championships is tomorrow night. So we'll be discussing that on tomorrow's podcast and with England playing on Wednesday, it does feel like it's a little bit early to start casting guesses and predictions as to what that game might hold. So there isn't much to talk about in the way of the Euros today, although I'm sure we'll squeeze a little bit in here and there. Thankfully, though, Crystal Palace have stepped up to the mark. They've come to the rescue and given us something to discuss because they have replaced the most experienced manager in Premier League history in Roy Hodgson with one of the least in Arsenal old boy Patrick Vieira. Could this be an inspired choice or could it be a disaster in the shape of Frank de Boer's appointment. We'll get onto that shortly on Football Social Daily. We're also going to be ignoring that game on Wednesday a little bit longer by talking about the future of one of the potential stars of that game in Harry Kane. Spurs, apparently, are now looking to hang on to their star man after loads of suggestions that he would definitely be leaving this summer. We'll talk about that shortly and we'll look at some of the other transfers that are doing the rounds as well. There's loads of gossip going on about the future of certain players, including a Barcelona exodus and some potential bargains that could be picked up from Camp Nou as well. We'll get on to that towards the end of today's podcast. And all of that is under the microscope with Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Good morning. Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Is it coming home? Uh, if it's not already home, it's coming home. Good, good Definitely. to hear. And Leon Blanche as well from Boyle Sports. How are you doing, Leon? I'm doing well, Jim. Looking forward to the two semi-finals. I think they, I mean, they're two good matchups. Um, a lot to look forward to. 
I'm really excited about both games. And if you're getting excited about the England game, don't forget Boyle Sports have got a special offer on right the way through the Euros for every England game during the European Championship. They're offering a £10 no-lose bet. Simply put, stick £10 on any market during the Euros for England. And if your bet loses, you get your stake back as a free bet straight back into your account. In other words, it's no risk. All the info is online at boylesports.com or in the Boyle Sports betting app. T's and C's apply, 18 plus, bet responsibly, begambleaware.co.uk. And if you want to find all the info or that or some tips ahead of that game, make sure you check out Wednesday's podcast. We'll be doing a full preview of England's semi-final matchup versus Denmark. But we're going to start today with Crystal Palace because they have appointed Patrick Vieira as their new manager. He signed a three-year deal to replace Roy Hodgson, who left back in May. It's been a pretty long period of consultation and interviews and working out who the ideal man to replace Hodgson is. But instead, they've gone from the fa- for the fairly inexperienced Patrick Vieira, who spent some time in France. He was with New York City before that, that out in the MLS did all right there. But he is a pretty inexperienced manager. Leon, what type of manager is he? What do we know about Patrick Vieira and what he's going to bring to Crystal Palace? Yeah, look, I mean, I suppose looking at him, um, you know, he's only had a kind of a short time in management. Um, His teams did try and get the ball down and they did try and play a bit of football. Um, I remember him always as a player. I mean, he was a tiger in the middle of the park, uh, especially for Arsenal and France. But it is... I mean, this is a this is a risky appointment. Um, just in terms of coming into the Premier League, yes, we know he's he's played in the Premier League. He knows what it's about, but I think he's going to have to hopefully get a good start with Palace. There's a lot of players out of contract. There's not a lot of players there at the moment. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks for Patrick Vieira to try and get players in, to try and get his squad settled. But I think what you can expect from him is I think his side will get the ball down. They will try and play football. I think they'll be quite um, very physical. Um, I think Vieira wants to bring that into his side. But Crystal Palace at the minute, look, they're the last ones to appoint the manager when they seem to be very close on a couple of occasions uh, to actually getting the man who they wanted. Vieira, you would have to say, is not the first choice. He's quite some way away from being their first choice manager. But let's hope, I'd love to see someone like him do well because he gave it everything as a player on the pitch. But let's see how he gets on now with Palace. Does this feel a little bit like the De Boer appointment, Marley, in that it is Palace trying to change the DNA of their football club? They have been a football club for a long time that have played defensively, they've played on the break. They've been more concerned with not scoring, not conceding goals rather than not scoring them. But here you've got a man in Patrick Vieira who has grown up through that kind of Pep Guardiola coaching structure at Manchester City. And as Leon says, he's tried to play attractive football where he's been before. So have Palace got the players to do that? If not, can they bring in the players to do that? And does it spell disaster? Um, I, th- I think at some point in your in your sort of club's history, you have to take risks at some point and um you know try and change the way things are because you know you mentioned there Hodgson was very pragmatic um before that they tried to go from Allardyce to Deboe which was 
you know, that's like going from being a 100-meter sprinter to a marathon runner in, in the space of two months. It's just not going to work. It's a completely different style. Um, and it, that needed time and seven, I think it was seven wins, uh, seven games and no wins in those seven games with De Boer and he was instantly sacked. So I think they've been burnt by that ever since and that's why they had Hodgson for so long because they were quite happy just treading water in mid-table and not really doing anything. Um, but at some point you have to take the club in a different direction. Roy Hodgson was never going to be there forever at 74 or whatever he was when he when he finally, uh, he finally left the club. So... Yeah, Vieira will will try different things. Um, I'm not entirely sure it's going to work. Um, we'll have to wait and see what he does. But I think the one thing he will bring you is he'll bring you pull as a as a club. He'll bring you pull in the transfer market because any any French players that are not playing at their club, they'll they'll love to come and play for Patrick Vieira, who's a legend of of the game, especially in France, obviously. But so there, there, there is chance there, and also he's got the link with Arsenal as well. I mean, I was thinking about this last night. If if Palace can go to Arsenal and get a few fringe players on loan, I think they could be in a, in a decent position. Like players like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, um, players like Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah maybe. I think these players could do a real job at Palace and take them into a, a, a different direction because they've got half a squad there at the minute. There's, there's no one there. Um, Pretty much, there's there's plenty out of contract. There's plenty who um, who might get a, a deal if Vieira says, okay, yeah, I want him for another year at least, to, just to have a look at him. Um, so there's so much work to do, and it, it needs to start quickly as well because all the teams are back for pre-season now, pretty much, and um, that's the 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 losing ground by the day. The longer they they sit still and don't start doing things because they need five or six players this summer minimum, um, and most of them are going to be first team players as well. So. It's 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 cut. It's he's got his work cut. I'll put it that way. But he he signed up for it. He knew what he was getting into, um, and hopefully he'll uh, he'll make a good start of it. Do you think that's his first job, Leon? When he gets into the manager's office, is it about building that squad up again? Because as you say, there's a load of players out of contract. He hasn't got a huge amount of time to take a step back and assess what he's got in terms of players because the Premier League season is fast approaching. Yeah, look, it is fast approaching. I mean, you've got to just look at Palace and just wonder what on earth has been going on to let so many players run out of contract and to just... I mean, this is a Premier League football club. I mean, this is just... I mean, Look, I've got to be honest here, Jimmy. I mean, it's a bit shambolic. Um, and I'm looking at Patrick Vieira coming in. This is the last thing he would have wanted, but he knew exactly what he was getting. So he signed up for it. I'm sure he's getting well paid for it. So he's going to have to try and get players in as quickly as possible. Now, obviously, through all these negotiations, I'm sure Vieira would have been sounding out, especially some French players. I agree with Marley. Ones that aren't getting their games with their clubs for whatever reasons. Ones that are maybe on the periphery of the French squad. They will look at this as an opportunity. A, Palace is in London, which is a big draw. B, you're being managed by one of the best French international midfielders to ever have graced a football field. And see, you're going into the Premier League. So it is a massive opportunity for some players out there. I'm assuming Vieira has been given a bit of money. I'm assuming that Palace are going to back him in the transfer market because I think he needs that. And I think with the style of play as well, just to add on to it, I think it's going to have to be gradual. I don't think you can just turn on a switch with all of these players who have played under Hodgson and just expect them to go out and be expansive and be open. But I think gradually... 
I think Vieira will want that. And I think it will suit if they can keep a hold of Wilfried Zaha. Look, I mean, he's always... I mean, he's the big number it's one the perennial transfer. question, that, isn't it? Can they, can, it is. can they keep <laughs> yeah. hold of Zaha? It is. But, but like, I actually think... I think Zaha might stay because Vieira has come in. I think Vieira is that big of a name. I think he might actually give him one season. And I think that mm. would be a big plus for Patrick Vieira. But I do hope he has his players already lined up because the season is fast approaching. And the one thing that you don't want if you're a Crystal Palace fan or if you're the manager or even if you're a part of that football club, you don't want to be scraping for players when the season has already started. It's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks at Crystal Palace, that's for sure. I think one of the positives for me for appointing Patrick Vieira, and it might feel like a small thing, but he does seem absolutely thrilled to be given the job. He seems determined to prove himself from the comments he's made in the papers and for his post on social media. And that's got to count for something in terms of coming into this job. But do you think maybe, Marley, they've been slightly foolish in not appointing someone who has more experience? Because they were connected to some bigger names, inverted commas, in terms of managers. They had Nuno Espirito Santo interviewed for the post. Is it um, Lucien Favre, the former Dortmund manager as well? He was connected with the role at one point. Yeah, I think that was where where this sort of mood changed with with Palace. I thought when they were close to getting Lucien Favre, there wasn't a guy, wasn't a, a fan in who knew about football that didn't know, um, that didn't think this was a good move because everyone was kind of like, Lucien Favre to Crystal Palace. Like He's done Dortmund, Munch and Gladbach. Um, and then he's 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 basically one of the, the top managers in, in the Bundesliga and has been for, for quite a while, really. So for him to go to Palace would have been a hell of a coup. Um, and for some reason or another, it broke down. Um, I'm not sure over what. I mean, you're probably assuming it's money in terms of to invest into the playing squad because... If you look at the players, they've got 17 players now at the club. Um, and that includes some players that haven't even played in the first team very much. Um, I'm just looking at the squad on Wikipedia and it's it's so thin. And I know we talk about it, but, you know, any manager like Lucien Favre is going to say, OK, I need, you know, I need 80 million, 100 million easy because I need a lot of players and I can get them because of my reputation. Um, but, yeah, for one reason or another, that didn't happen. Um, and then it was a case of, right, who else is there? Because they talked to Frank Lampard first, I think, towards the end of last season. And it looked like a, a good fit for him, but he didn't fancy it. Probably, again, because of these same reasons. Um, then they talked If you're to a Crystal to... Palace fan, does that ring alarm bells? The fact that... Because like you said, you've got 17 players there. What do you need for... Let's say you need 26 for a Premier League squad to get for a season, which I think yeah, is a well, fairly you can, conservative... You can register 25, can't you? So... You're, you're but then you've got like youth away. players within that avenue that you don't have yeah. to register as well. Yeah. So, I mean, conservatively speaking, so you've got to bring in 10 players. If you get each of them for £10 million each, which is nothing, let's say in the current market, that's already a bill of 100 million quid that they've got to find from somewhere, which doesn't seem realistic. So that, that's, that feels really worrying if you're a Crystal Palace fan. Yeah, um, I think the Palace fans should have been worried a year ago when they realised that all these players weren't getting um, extensions and they weren't being rumoured to get extensions and, and they've got the oldest um, oldest average age of the start of a starting 11 in the Premier League. I think their, their average starting age was like 29 and a half or something like that. And that was with players like um, Tyrick Mitchell and, and Ebiri Eze in the team. So if you take them out at 19, Mitchell is or whatever he is, and then Eze was like 22... 
If you took that out, everyone else is over 30. So you're looking at that and thinking, like like Leon said, how did you get to this point? How did you not? It's just it's poor management from from the top, um, and I think they've kind of it all links into them being safe um, and being unwilling to take risks in in terms of investment and playing squad and things like that. And they've gone to, you know, they've got two or three years ago and we've gone well. We finished thirteenth, so everyone, you know, everyone's happy. Everyone stays on the same contract and blah blah blah, and then. Three years later, they're all in the last year of the contract. They're all thirty. They're all on big wages, and you're thinking, I don't want to rely on these players for the next two or three years and give them another three-year deal at the age of thirty, thirty-one. There's players like Gary Cahill who's now left the club, who's thirty-four, still a good player, but you're not going to give him a three-year deal at thirty-four, are you? Because his legs could go at any point. One injury and his career is done. So it's bad business. So all of a sudden, some at some point in those three years. Players should have been brought in to replace him because now you're looking at a huge offset of money. I mean, they're not in any any danger of, you know, going um, in in the red in terms of FFP, but it does massively unbalance the the um, the financials when you're gonna almost be forced to to splash all this cash on on in one summer, and then if that doesn't work, you have got to do it again next year to um, to to sort of sort it. So. And then there's the thing: if if Vieira doesn't do well, are you going to sack him as well? And then that's more money. So, they, all this this problems that they've got now has been solved has been caused by themselves, um, and not having the foresight to see things coming and not being proactive. And now they're being forced uh, forced to be reactive. And you know, oh, we'll get Lampard. Oh no, he said no because we've got too much to do. Oh, we've talked to Nuno, but he doesn't want to come because he's got loads of staff and he wants to do things this way and then all right we'll talk to Lucien Favre and go real big for a manager and then he says the same thing and then it's like oh well who else is there and it's Patrick Vieira crying out for a job sat in the studio um working for ITV and he's crying out for a job and then they've gone yeah well okay he's the best of the bad uh best of the rest sort of thing so they've they've got themselves in this situation I've not really got much sympathy mm. for them to be honest because you know from board level it's been it's been so <laughs> it's it's not a it's not something that you can go you know what they've been unlucky because this has been coming for two or three years and they should have sorted it they've had plenty of chances they've had six transfer windows in that time in the last three years so you know you should have sorted this at some point what are the odds markets say for this Leon I've got to say I was looking at this a couple of weeks ago when Vieira was first being linked with a move to Palace and I was looking at the season's odds and Palace were at shorter odds to get relegated this season than Leicester City were to finish in the top four which I didn't think boded particularly well. So has the appointment to Vieira made any difference to that in any way? No, none whatsoever. I mean, they are 7-4 to four to get relegated. And <laughs> when you look at the kind of teams that are a shorter... That's very short. Yeah. But I mean, when you look at the teams that are shorter priced than them, it's only Brentford, Watford and Norwich. So it goes to show you that... What's going on with the players, with the whole club at the moment? I mean, Palace have got to be a big, big player in terms of getting relegated. They really do at the moment because it seems that the club is all over the place. I mean, Brentford, even money. Watford are evens to be relegated and Norwich are five to six. And then it's Crystal Palace. So, look, I mean, you wouldn't want to be a Crystal Palace fan at the moment because there's so much uncertainty. Uh, Who knows who's going to be playing for your team uh, come the kickoff of the season and then obviously at the end of the transfer window um, it's a big big couple of weeks um, I just hope for 
Patrick Vieira, he knows what he's actually getting into here because this is a big risk. This is a huge risk, but it's someone who's obviously jumped at the opportunity to manage in the Premier League, and I hope it goes well for him. But I think there's a lot going against him even before he started. It's been a funny summer so far in terms of managerial appointments. It hasn't just been Palace scraping around for a new boss. Spurs have as well, and they have finally got their man in Nuno Espirito Santo. But has that made a difference to the future of Harry Kane? Some comments on Sky Sports Italy would suggest recently it might have. We'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're going to talk about Harry Kane now, but not for his England goal-scoring exploits at the weekend, but because of his future at Tottenham Hotspurs. So the new director of football at Spurs is Fabio Partitici. Is that how you pronounce that? Partitici? Paratici. Paratici. I I think I pretty much nailed it, to be honest with you. But he's been talking to Sky Sports Italy, and he said his number one priority in his new role at Spurs, is keeping Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt next season. Harry Kane has reiterated during the Euros his desire to not be in a Spurs shirt next season. So do they have a hope of keeping Harry Kane in North London, Marley? Uh, it doesn't seem so, does it? Um, I think the only the only sort of um, hope they had, in my opinion, was if they got a a super high name manager who, who you know, was like a, a proven winner. Um, and I think the only one that they could have got at any point was Antonio Conte. Um, I think Conte would have genuinely had a chance in keeping Kane because maybe not, he might still not have kept him, but he would have had more chance than anyone else, I think, because of his his personality and his the way he is and the, the track record he's had over the last five or six years has been insane. Um, he's one of them guys who... If you had him by your side on a battlefield, you'd you'd feel confident, wouldn't you, with with Conte beside you? But mm. you know him screaming and and demanding and just being that sort of spark that that a club needs almost. And Spurs need shocked into life, and he's basically the Italian defibrillator because he will shock you <laughs> if you want it or not. <laughs> so um, he's he's there, and I thought once the once they didn't get him, I wasn't surprised by any means because I, I thought it was too much of a step down for him. I think he can have any job in uh, in world football, if I'm honest. I think he could have the Real Madrid job if he wanted it. Um, but it didn't happen, and I'm thinking, right, well, Kane's probably going to go then because I don't think he can get anyone else in. And then Nuno comes in, and yes, Nuno's a competent manager, and he'll I think he'll do a decent job, um, but I can't see him getting Spurs in at the top four. And... If you're saying Kane's probably thinking the same, like top four is a long way away from where they were last season, um, in terms of performances and in terms of uh, finishing where they finished. So, I think he'll be still very happy to go. Um, it's just a case of who can afford him and what deal will Levy eventually bow to. Because, I mean, this deal should be done in the next couple of weeks, really, because you're running out of time to get a replacement if you Spurs, and you're running out of time. Um, to get it done and to get into pre-season with your new team if you're Harry Kane. So it seems like it's best for all parties if he goes quickly. Um, so it's uh, it's one of them where you've you've almost got to, you know, cut the head off it pretty quickly and get it done and, and you know, put get your ducks in order for next season, I think. That's part of my thinking about this is that at this stage, Spurs are just wasting time, effort, resource, energy in trying to keep Harry Kane 
at the club because even if they could potentially get into the top four next season, that's not what Harry Kane wants at this stage in his career. He's talked about wanting to win trophies and as much as Arsene Wenger thought differently, you don't get a trophy for finishing top four. It's not the same thing. And so he is going to be looking to move this season. So is that where Spurs should be focusing their efforts, Leon, is looking at the replacement, rebuilding the squad, not just replacing Harry Kane, but around him as well. There's a big job to do at Spurs and the Harry Kane thing feels like it might be a bit of a distraction. Yeah, I mean, look, he's made it kind of abundantly clear that he wants to leave. And I don't see that changing. And I don't know why Spurs are wasting their time trying to keep a player who has given them great service. But he's come out and said, before a ball was kicked in the Euros, I want to win medals and I want to leave. So they should be trying to get as much as they possibly can off Manchester City for him and then trying to give Nuno the funds to rebuild his squad because the longer this saga drags on it's only going to be one team who's going to be the loser here and it's going to be Spurs because whoever gets Kane even after the Euros is finished they'll know they're just getting the ultimate professional they'll know even when he joins a little bit later within some of the other players he'll be he'll be bang at it Harry Kane is a top top pro there's no I mean I think he's one of the best number nines in world football um, I know he hasn't had the best Euros, but it's but he's coming into the business end now. And this is where Harry Kane, for me, is going to shine in the semi-finals and the final. So, look, Spurs need to realise he wants to go, get as much money as you can, and try and start focusing on, on the players that Nuno wants to bring. Because Spurs do need a lot of players to come into that side. They do have an ageing kind of backline. I'm still not convinced about any of their centre-halves. And I mean, any of their centre-halves, they wouldn't be in the top 10, in my opinion, in the Premier League um, in terms of their quality um, at the middle of defence. They're okay in terms of wing-backs, which I think Nuno is going to play. They've got some creativity in the middle of the park and with Son and with the likes of Mora and with a couple of other players, even Vinicius up front. They do have a couple of players there who can get on the score sheet. But if Nuno knew he was getting the money from the sale of Kane, you could start to identify who you want. And maybe this director of football who's coming in, which is a strange one for me anyway, um, in terms of how Spurs is run, I don't know how much power a director of football is actually going to have at that club. But if he's saying his number one priority is to try and keep a player who wants to leave, you'd have to question him straight away already. You mentioned you don't think Kane's had a brilliant Euro so far, Leon. Do you think that this transfer saga has been a distraction for him over the course of the last few weeks? Um, I think the way England kind of played in the first, maybe in the first two games anyway, look, against Croatia, they didn't really get Harry Kane involved. Uh, against Scotland, it was their worst performance by some way in the tournament. In that kind of first half an hour against the Czech Republic, they got him involved. Then he got his goal in, in the last 16 and he was very much involved in the quarterfinal. But I don't think the transfer would affect a player like him. Look, maybe look, maybe it's at the back of his mind that he's thinking, look, why don't they not just let me leave? You know, I've given them so much service. I've asked like for a move. Maybe that they should honour um, my wishes right now. Maybe it's at the back of his mind. But I don't think so. I think it was kind of England, how they were set up maybe weren't getting Kane involved as much. He's not dropping as deep as he had been doing. So maybe that was a maybe that was a kind of a directive from Southgate and the management side to kind of stay up where you're dangerous. As we saw when he got his goal 
um, in that last 16 game against Germany in and around the box. When we've seen him score against the Ukraine in and around the box again. That's where he's very, very dangerous. We He's a great passer of a football. Harry Kane gets a lot of assists when he's playing with Tottenham Hotspur. But I think if you have a player like him to do real damage, you want him in and around the box to score goals. Look, he's already on three goals now, Jim. Don't be surprised at all if he ends up top scorer like in this tournament. He's only got to get to five. So he's got, in my opinion, he's going to get two games. So I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anyone off um, back in Harry Kane to end up the tournament's top scorer. I just think he's on a bit of a roll now. They were able to take him off after 70 minutes, was it, or something like that. Give Calvert-Lewin a few minutes. He'll be fresh. He'll be ready for Denmark on Wednesday. And I wouldn't bet against Harry Kane being the first goal scorer in that semi-final either. I think that was a really important move for England at the weekend, was the ability to bring off key players like Harry Kane and Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips in order to rest them for the semi-final and potentially whatever happens beyond that. In terms of Harry Kane, Marley, he's now on nine goals at major tournaments for England, which puts him up there with the elite. I think Shearer's on nine goals as well. I think Rooney got seven at major tournaments, but he did spend quite a lot of those major tournaments injured. Out in front of everyone is Gary Lineker, who scored 10 goals against two tournaments for England. Where does Kane rank in terms of Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney, Gary Lineker, in terms of the all-time greats as an England centre-forward? Oh, he's right up there. Um Better than Shearer? I know that would be a big call for you to make as a Newcastle fan. Nah, don't be daft. (laughs) Don't be daft. Um, No. It looks like Um, he will eclipse them in terms of goals at major tournaments, though, because you mean this isn't going to be his last one, is it? Yeah, he's got the World Cup in in eighteen months, hasn't Mm -hmm. he? So he'll be he'll be fine there. He'll probably get two or three there minimum. Um, And added to what he's got, he'll he'll overtake Shearer and Lineker pretty quickly, I think. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of centre forwards, is the best we've had since Shearer. Um, he's probably the most Alan Shearer type player we've we've had anywhere in the league since Shearer. Um, in terms of his skill set and his sheer sort of um, his ability to sniff out a goal and be in the right place and and sort of attract that ball and demand that ball, um, is is as good as as anyone has been for for years. I think Lineker, Shearer, and Rooney are probably the three genuine world-class centre-forwards England have ever had. Um, and that's reflected by the uh, the goal records they've had for England. And Rooney was obviously quality as well, but his, I think his longevity was, was his key to breaking all his records. And, you know, he's, he's got a scoring record. If you're playing qualifiers against San Marino and Liechtenstein for 12 years, you're probably going to score quite a lot of goals, um, even though he, he was class. And that Euro 2000... And, was it Euro 2006 he was... Um, no, Euro 2008 was um, in Portugal where he was absolutely mint and he just ruined everyone as, as an 18-year-old. Um, he had hell of a tournament, probably the best individual tournament I've ever seen an England player have. Um, and he was amazing in his time, but in terms of proper centre-forwards, you, you're looking at Kane and saying, if you don't break the all-time England scoring record, if I think it's 52 goals, I think he'll he'll get that pretty simple. Um, and he'll go on to get, probably get the Premier League goal-scoring record if he stays in the Premier League this summer and, and doesn't go to a surprise move to Real Madrid or wherever he wants to, wherever may be linked with him. But yeah, he's, um, he's class. He's not quite cheerer, but he's class. You've got to bear in mind that Wayne Rooney wasn't a traditional centre-forward either, really, was he, to get those yeah. goals? He was kind of like, when you look at his yeah. later England career, when he was kind of playing that quarterback role, 
it's incredible that some of his numbers, how they stack up. Uh, we talked about Spurs potentially looking for a replacement for Harry Kane. And why aren't they doing that? Well, according to some of the rumours, he they might be doing just that. They have identified a potential target. We'll talk about it next in the rumour wrap. That's next on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Going to finish off today's podcast by looking at some of the transfer whispers that are doing the rounds. Starting off at Barcelona, and there seems to be a bit of a far fire sale, fire sell going on at Barcelona right now. Uh, Panic and Samuel Umtiti reportedly available on a free because Ronald Koeman doesn't fancy them. That's according to Goal. Felipe Coutinho is available on the cheap. For the same reason, he's not really fancied by Coman either. That's according to the Mirror. And Leeds are on the cusp of signing Spanish left-back Junior Firpo, who is 24. That's according to The Athletic. Let's start with that one, because this is a player that there's been a bit of competition to sign. A few of the teams around mid-table in the Premier League have been looking at Firpo. How highly rated is he, Marley? Uh, Very. I think... um... When he came out of the back of of the his first season or two at Real Betis, he was linked as you know one of the best left backs in the country and and one of the ones who uh, who had a very very bright future with him only being sort of twenty two twenty three at the time. Um, he's twenty four now. The only mistake he's made is going to a club managed by Ronald Koeman. Um, and if you're <laughs> if you're not in Ronald Koeman's first team, you might as well be dead because um, he just he just <laughs> he just hates everybody. Is he, he must be a frustrating manager to work under because Firpo's done nothing wrong. He's just got Jordi Alba in front of him, and he's been one of the best left backs for the last ten twelve years. So um, Firpo's done nothing wrong really. Um, he's just been completely ignored and frozen out by uh, by Koeman, as as many players have, including. Luis Suarez, without even talking, uh, didn't even talk to Suarez and said, "Yeah, he can go." Um, managed to sell him to Atletico, and they won the league with that, with him being top scorer. So um, that's another sort of look into what Cummins like as a as a manager. So Firpo is is, is still quality. He's still the probably the, still the play, the player he was at Betis, um, and it's a massive coup for Leeds. This I think because you know how many. How many clubs can go in their second season back in the Premier League who scored up to Barcelona and say, yeah, we'll have him. 15 million, is that all right? Yep, fine, great, we'll have him. And they've done it early as well. I mean, the teams are only just coming back for pre-season. I think he's in England by all by all reports now, completing his move. Um, and you need five or six weeks to get used to Bielsa's style of, of football because there's, there's no real, there's no bigger sort of shock to, to a player. He's not just going to come in and coast into that team easily you know he's going he's going to have to adapt to this mental style of football that Bielsa uh, demands so um he's going to be there and I think they've Leeds have done great business here I think they've sorted out the one big problem they had um in signing a left back because Alioski's um contract ran down and he's he's away on a free so you have to go and get someone quick and why not go and get the guy who's who's uh, who's been at Barcelona for a couple of years um and yeah he might might not be quite as good as Jordi Alba, but not many players have been over the last decade. So it's not as if you're uh, you, you're scratching around in the bargain bins. I think they're uh, they've done really good business here. Considering he cost Barcelona, I think it was around 18 million euros from Betis as well. It certainly seems like a good bit of business. Uh, do you think there's going to be some bargains to be had from Barcelona 
Leon over the next couple of weeks if Koeman has blacklisted certain players and we know that Barcelona are in a slightly difficult financial situation as well so they're going to want to be maybe getting rid of a few of their higher earners so could Premier League clubs be swooping in and picking off some of these stars? Yeah I mean like it looks like it because I mean I agree 100% what Marley says about Koeman A I don't even know how he's still manager there I mean, I thought they would have got rid of him, seriously, because he's done nothing Same. since he's gone there. He's absolutely... Took him I mean, backwards. Yeah, I mean... They were in a Lionel Messi. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like the Suarez situation was just so bizarre. I mean, Luis Suarez is a quality footballer. To let him go without even speaking to him. And then you're looking at, like, some of these players. I mean, the way he's treated that young kid, um, listening into what Marley said, is just a bit of a joke. Um, but there will be players who Kuman doesn't want and who are on big money. You're right, Barca are in financial disarray at the minute. So they need to get some of these high earners off their books. So there will be a bit of a fire sale. And some of the players that Kuman doesn't rate, they're bound to go on to one or two clubs. And maybe the Premier League clubs are looking at some of these type of footballers. Coutinho, for me, still has something to offer in the Premier League. Because he's been there, he knows what the league is about, he's able for the physicality of it. And I just think for someone like him, if he could get the right move, Spurs would be a good destination for for, for Coutinho. And I think like a club like Spurs should be maybe looking at him because he can set up plenty of goals. He's still got that class that not many players possess. And when he's on fire, he hasn't had a lot of football in the last couple of seasons. So he should be fairly fresh. There shouldn't be too many miles on his clock. And he'd be a type of guy at a cup price that I could see one or two Premier League clubs looking at Coutinho. He still can turn it on when he wants. What about Samuel Mtiti, Marley? Because I seem to remember he was targeted by or was rumoured to be linked with Manchester City when they went on to sign Ruben Diaz. And there are a fair few clubs in the Premier League, Manchester United being one, that are looking at centre-back options at the moment. So would he be a good potential target for somebody? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think by all reports he wants to stay and and try and um, convince Koeman, but you know, as we've said, Kuma makes his mind up and doesn't listen to anyone. The shutters go up and he's like, no, nope, I'm right. I've made my decision, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think he's uh, he's going to have much success there if he stays. But um, I think the Premier League's perfect for him. He's, he's sort of one of these these modern centre-backs, these hybrids. He, he's quick, um, he's athletic, he's good in the air. He's, he's got great technique with his feet. He's got good um, good with the ball at his feet. He can play left-back. Um, as he, I think he started off as a left back for Leon um, a while back. Remember, he scored that ridiculous goal against Spurs in the um, in the Europa League from from the edge of the box, where he volleyed it in the top corner. Um, and it was one of them where he's he's been he's always been quality. He's just struggled with injuries for for a long um, a long period now, two or three years. He's he's missed most of those seasons with with injuries. Um, and when he's come back. You know, Barcelona have moved on because they couldn't rely on his his injuries. So Lenglet came in and and PK is there as well. Um, so it's it's just one of them. Maybe he does need a, a new start, but also maybe that's what's putting putting teams off. Because I think in terms of ability, someone would have took him by now. I think it's just his injuries and his price tag, um, and his wages that are maybe combining into something where it, it's putting a lot of teams off. But Again, if you're looking at Spurs and you've got money to spend, could you do something? Could you could you loan him, for example? You know, could you could you go get him on a loan 
And if Cumin's not there in a year's time and he goes back, then he has another chance to impress whoever's there and you get him in the meantime. So I don't think, and, and you don't have to spend a huge amount of money on him on a four-year contract or whatever it is. So I think there's definitely a deal to be done for him, um, for someone. It's just whether they want to take that risk, but some teams have to take that risk. Spurs have to take that risk. Man United might have to if they can't get Varane and they're desperate to get a centre-back if, if that's the case. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll see where he ends up, but I definitely think there's, a, there's a, a good, smart deal to be done there somewhere. There's also some potential incomings at Barcelona, according to Corriere dello Sport in Spain. Koeman is eyeing up Lorenzo Insigne, who's had a fantastic European championship so far, but they face competition from Tottenham to sign him. I mean, this has been one of the standout players of the European Championships, hasn't they, Leon? Is this the guy that's going to be sparking off the bidding war between the big clubs around Europe? Yeah, look, I mean, he's had a really, really impressive Euros so far. But the one thing you've got to just be a little cautious here, he's 30 years of age. So, you know, he's not he's not getting any younger like the rest of us. But um, the way he plays... The way he gets the ball out on the left, he can cut in, he can play as a 10 behind the number nine. Look, he's just a joy to watch. He's a really, really class footballer. But when you talk about Kuman looking for him, how many attacking players does Kuman want? <laughs> I mean, he's got, I mean, seriously though, I mean, how is he going to fit all these boys in? That means, or that would suggest that he's going to have to sell um, quite a few players up front if he's looking for him as well. If Spurs were to get someone like him, that's why I was talking about Coutinho. They're the same type of player. Mm. They can come in off that left wing or else they can play in the middle just behind a big number nine. Um, like You can imagine him sitting in behind Son you know, and just feeding him all day long. I mean, the same with Coutinho. But he's probably going to command a big transfer fee. I don't know how many years he has left with Napoli um, in terms of his contract. I mean, look, he's been with Napoli since 2010. They sent him out on a couple of loan deals. Um, I think he went out for nearly three three seasons in a row. Uh, he was sent out on loan. But he's been with Napoli in the first team since, I think, the 2012-2013 season. So maybe he's looking for one big move uh, before his career is over. But he will command a big fee, all depending on what he has left on his Napoli contract. I mean, Leon hinted there that he isn't the same type of player as Harry Kane. That seems to be the narrative. He's, he's being touted as the replacement for Harry Kane, but he is a different type of player. So does that potentially mean that if this is the style of individual that Tottenham are going to look at, that they may be looking at a slightly different playing style with Son leading the line and maybe more attacking players in support of him, Marley? Well, this is this is one of Nuno's jobs. He's got to pick a system and then and then pick players for it. Um, I don't think. I mean, Insigne is a quality player, yes, but is he is he better than Son? Uh, no, no. And if you're if you're confident you can keep Son, then you've you've got to build the team around him, really, because he's the only one left if Kane goes. So, if you're looking at that, in, I'm saying you know Son's best on the left wing. Um, Coutinho and Insigne are fantastic players, but they play in Son's position, in my opinion. So unless you can get Coutinho down the middle and get the best out of him, I'm not sure that's a, an amazing move. Um, I still think he's worth a gamble, Coutinho. But for, for Insigne, I'd, look, he's been he's been fantastic, but he's played his entire career in Italy. Um, he's very happy there, I think, in terms of his you know his future. He's not thinking, he's not pushing for a move. I think he's left that too late in his career to to be pushing for a move to a European elite club at 30. 
Um, and if you're looking at at Napoli and Spurs, they're very similar in terms of, of where they stand in their leagues as well. So I'm not even sure it's a, a step up. Um, it might You might get paid more and stuff, but I'm not, not sure he really wants that at this point. So I'd be... Um, I'd be looking at other things if I was Spurs. I'd be looking at getting a centre-forward and I'd be looking at Southampton and saying Danny Ings is desperate to leave and I'd take him in a heartbeat. If you can create chances for Danny Ings there aren't me- and you can keep him fit, there aren't many better goal scorers in the Premier League. He scored 22 goals for a, a poor Southampton side um, the season before last. And I think he's still got 10 or 12 this season and he missed he missed most of the season through injury again. So um if you can get him on a cheap deal i think there's been reports today that he that he's turned down another deal with southampton um and he won't sign there because he wants to try his hand at a bigger club i think spurs should be doing that and then and then building around um the players that they've got finally let's talk about manchester united because reports are they're looking for alternatives if the signing of rafael Varane doesn't come off which felt like it was a done deal a few days ago but they are looking at alternatives now they've targeted jules kunde according to AS in Spain. He's currently with Sevilla, 22 years old, got caps for his country alongside Varane as well. Does this look like a... I mean, I always get more excited about younger players, Leon, coming in rather than the old war horses. But this is, is this the type of player that Manchester United need? A centre-back with potential? Or do they need that established, experienced player, particularly at centre-back for them? I mean, I'd be going for someone who was established and who's experienced, I think... I think the problem Manchester United have, Jim, at the moment is is that they've got to win something. They they you know they have to win something this coming season. It's no good getting into finishing second and getting into the final of the Europa League. It's not it's not good enough for a club of the size of Manchester United. And Varane for me, I mean, if they went out and got Varane as well to add to Sancho, they're buying two class acts. And I think Varane could just come in, start alongside Harry Maguire, and the problems would be fixed at the back. If you're looking at now a young kid, 22 years of age, to try and come in and try and fix it immediately, I don't think that's fair, A, on him, or it's not going to appease the Manchester United fans. And we all know United fans are not happy with the Glazers as it is. So when when they signed Sancho and when they... I thought they had the deal done, almost like for Varane. I said, well, the Glazers are doing a lot here to try and keep the fans on side. But I think they need to get someone who's ready, not someone who may be ready in a season or two. How long do you keep going as Manchester United without winning something? It's no good just finishing second, Jim. They're going to have to try and win something. So for me, they've got to buy established instead of trying to buy a young kid who could be good in a couple of years' time. I'm not entirely sure where the rumours about Kunde have come from. It might be just as we see plenty of times an agent trying to drum up interest in a player who has been linked with Spurs over the last week or so. I mean, are there many players who haven't been linked with Spurs over the last week or so? If he does end up in the Premier League, Marley, what type of player is he? He's not the biggest centre-back in the world, is he? No, he's um, he's, he's probably similar to Umtiti, as I was talking about before. He's, he's quick. Um, he's got a great jump on him. He's very athletic and very fast for a centre-back. Um, again, good with his feet. I think he's played right back for um, at times this season, and he's he's been in the French team at right back as well, uh, filling in for for when Pavard was injured earlier earlier in the Euros. Um, so he's one of them. He's he's he's, he's classic modern day centre back. You know, you can bring the ball out from defence quite comfortably. 
Um, it's just a case of in England, could he be to take advantage of physically? Um, in terms of his, he is lacking height. I know he's got a good jump, but sometimes you can't always get that jump away, and you can't really do much against a, a six foot two, six foot three centre forward who you're gonna be playing against for ninety minutes. If you think about the type of uh, football some teams play, could he be susceptible to ninety minutes of of long balls coming on on top of him with a centre back, uh, centre forward? Sorry, right up against him. I'm not really sure. Um, we'd we'd have to. We could only find that out if we seen it. Uh, one thing I would say is no one really plays like that against uh, in Spain. Maybe Getafe, but other than that, you know, you, you're looking at, uh, at plenty of teams that play play the ball on the floor and try and get it in behind, and that suits him perfectly because he's quick. Um, so it's it's one of them. I I don't really know where this has come from either. Um, I think he's just he was heavily linked with Man City, wasn't he? Before they got Ruben Diaz, I think they were trying to get him um, and they ended up with Diaz because Sevilla were playing silly beggars with the money and wanting 70 million and then 75 million and then plus add-ons and whatever and they were messing messing City about too much so they walked away and ended up getting uh, the player of the year for 65 million or whatever it was so they got that decision right Man City and I think this year I can't see Koundé coming to the Premier League anytime soon to be honest I think it's, it's, it's just one of them um click sort of getters because he's been linked with with City so then this year we'll link him with Man United if Man United gets someone else we'll link him with Spurs and then we'll link him with Chelsea and Arsenal if, if that goes wrong as well so I think we're just seeing just sort of mindless speculation really and that speculation will no doubt continue over the next few weeks because we are still what ooh, six weeks away from the start of the Premier League season and about eight weeks away before the end of the transfer window so plenty more time for plenty more speculation but that is it for today that's all the speculation we can cram into today's Football Social Daily Leon Marley thank you very much thank you cheers guys we'll get stuck into the European Championship semi-finals on tomorrow's podcast there'll be a fresh podcast out around lunchtime looking ahead to the first semi-final and of course we'll preview the England game on Wednesday's podcast as well make sure you've clicked follow so you get that as soon as it's ready and we'll see you next time Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.